was four years ago on this day, the first episode, well, on this on this day, on Wednesday, August 19th, so two days ago, the first episode of Elwood City Limits dropped into your podcast feeds. And today, Lucas, we can say that we've hit another milestone in the show because as I was checking elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com, I got a... Uh, I got an email that let us know about uh, another another milestone that the show has reached. Would you like to know what it is? I'm, I'm on pins and needles. So we, Elwood City Limits, is now ranked number 104 on the Apple Podcast TV and film chart in Japan. Whoa. Well, I got to say to all my, uh, to all our fans in the greater Nippon, uh, arigato gozaimasu, um, and kambawa to you. I think I'm saying that right. I'm trying to say good afternoon. Uh, either way, it's the thought that counts. Thank you to all of our fans in Nippon. <laughs> we got to take a look at those analytics and figure out where these, these Japanese listeners are coming from. Well, I mean, the email itself, I'll have to talk with you about it off the air, but it's a, um, I don't know... D- I don't know if it's dubious, but it's from a it's from a service I've never heard of before. So oh. I mean, listen. I mean, listen. Hey, if we have listeners in Japan, uh, we would love to hear from you. I just wonder if how much how you, real you guys are. Yeah, how much you might be getting out of this if you are in Japan. But uh, that's where you guys come in. Love to hear. Love to hear from you. Love to hear about Arthur, the reach of Arthur into uh, into uh, Nihon. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know. Osama Tezuka is the god of manga. What is what does Buster say? Yeah, says, no. I think he says Osama Tezuka is the god of manga, right? When he comes back from Japan. Yeah, you got it right. Okay, I, but he says it in Japanese. Oh, I'll, anyway, I wish I had that in front of me. I wish I'd known that we would be getting our our Japan japes up off top. But that's good to hear, Will. Real or not, Japan japes. Um, now I will say this. This is a, this is a little unplanned, but uh, so I'm on this uh, service. Um, and we have quite a few, uh, quite a few lovely reviews from this year that we just, uh, you know, it's a bit harder to see, but it's from like the U.S. Apple podcast store. So I want to, uh, give a shout out to Buffy Girl 47, VC 1997, Music is Life 2016, and Sally Sassafras for their five-star reviews on the, uh, U.S. Apple podcast store. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. Yes. Thank you. Um, so we also have, of course, I mean, hey, you know what, for the last four years, this has been, uh, Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast, and we plan to keep on going. My name's Will Young, and my co-host is Lucas Mancini. That's me, hello, hello. Um, we actually don't have any emails this week, as we usually like to, so we're really, we're really throwing it back four years. We are, we don't have any emails, so it's like we're basically talking to ourselves. We're in the void. We're back in the void, Will. Uh, so we're going to be getting into the episode, uh, quicker than usual, but of course we want to acknowledge the fact that we're... Very grateful for everybody listening, and of course, want to acknowledge we've got a new influx, a continued influx of uh, Patreon subscribers, and we want to give them a shout-out by name here, Uh, and of course, we want to say hello, first of all, to our new uh, Patreon subscribers. That includes Alistair, Nicholas DeMarco, and Valeria. We also have the likes of Hannah Lee, Lawrence. Lawrence sent us a very nice email. That I believe I forwarded to you, Lucas. I wanted to make sure that... Oh, I saw that was very nice. Uh, Mason Bishop, Daniel Updegraff, Joe Low Flow, Ursula Cat, Michelle Sprzinski, Owen, Lee Goldson, Teresa, Lion Dog ZXA, EJ Acra, Christine Les Cody, Greg Hagai, Yoshi, Lily W, Melissa Avales, Josias Melendez, Andrew Power, Shelby Eden Dawkins Law, Matt, Pretty Cool Stairs, Marlo Stanfield, Rachel Pearson, Michaela Gibson, Kristen, Sierra S, Kat, Aaron DeFilippo, William, Shayna Bennett, Caitlin Harrington, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Jake Bailey, Macy Ball, Riley Stevens, Joe Sue, Christine Wong, Stella Froppy, Emily Kay, Shander LaFave Boten, John Griswold, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Light Relentless, Ian Collis. And it's at this point we actually have to go to page two. 
We have two pages now. Oh my god, it's like the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> Leanne S. and John Dulong are in a class of their own on page two of our Patreon subscribers. Thank you, everybody. And we're going to keep bringing you uh, Patreon content as we continue. But Lucas, four years ago, Patreon didn't even seem like an attainable goal. We were just uh, we were just fumbling around in the dark for a little while. Yeah, it's, you know, what a season, what a season it's been. Uh, it's basically <laughs> been a, a presidential term of Elwood City Limits. Uh, you know, four years, an incredible journey, um, and to kind of part the kimono, to use a disgusting phrase, again, for our Japanese listeners out there, um, <laughs> you asked me the other day, we recorded a uh, commentary which was uh, unfortunately uh, sucked up by the podcast ghosts, there were some technical difficulties, but that being said, you asked me, you know, how okay, the show's been good, you want to keep doing the show, and I said, of course! I've had such a lovely time. It's been such a pleasure to be able to do the show. Even if nobody listened to it, it would be a fun time. But you know what? Because people listen to it, it's even better, Will. So, yeah, it's a pleasure. I agree. I always like to check in just to make sure we're on the same wavelength. But I'm glad that we'll be doing this for at least another year. Because, of course, over the course of four years, a lot has changed in both of our lives. We've switched jobs. We've changed marital status, and at least in my case. And our lives are going to continue to change. So we'll, of course, keep you updated on anything ECL. But every year we'd like to kind of... It's good to kind of get together in person and just make sure that we're still game to do this. And I was very glad that you are, Lucas, because I am as well. And I think I would have been very disappointed if if we had gotten together the other week and been like, let's make this one the last one. Because this would have been, this this is a, I mean, not to spoil it or anything, but I'm very glad this happens to be our fourth anniversary episode to talk about um, here with Arthur. We're talking about, first of all, it's the Curse of the Grebes. Now, we've kind of heard about the animal, the Grebe, in Arthur lore here and there. But I don't know about the team, the Grebes, until just now. Yeah, Grebe. So we soon learn that the Grebes is the, is the official, I assume, like, national baseball team of Elwood City Limits. You know, they play in the major leagues. They're not, you know, the Elwood City. What's, what's Arthur's baseball team called? Uh, so they are Lakewood Elementary. Lakewood Elementary, right? yeah, yeah. So this is this is the big leagues, boys. Um, and we soon learn that uh, uh, much like real life baseball teams, you know, you couldn't get away with a hockey team being called the Grebes. Uh, probably not. You know, there's some silly basketball team names like the Jazz and the Nuggets, but um, <laughs> baseball teams really have the market cornered on uh, non-threatening bird-sounding names. You know, Orioles. Cardinals, yeah. Cardinals, Orioles, uh, blue, even a Blue Jay. Listen, I have an affinity for the Blue Jays, culturally. Yes. Um, but when you really think about it, not the mo- what are they going to do? Eat your bugs? So I guess I should ask, uh, as we get into this, of course, uh, being about baseball, Lucas, are you much of a baseballer? Have you ever been a baseballer? A baseballer. Uh, no, my dad loves baseball, which I think is something that is, that's one of those universal truths, right? The ultimate dad sport is baseball. Mm. Um, my dad really, really likes baseball. Me, um, not so much. Uh, I have kind of the closest I can, you know, this episode, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, is kind of about the experience of of. Well, one, uh, your team uh, succeeding after a long losing streak and also kind of like the cultural significance of sport and how it kind of takes hold of a community or what have you. Um, And the closest I've had to that in terms of baseball specifically, and I definitely have told this story on the podcast before, was actually when I was back living in in rural Nova Scotia, uh, very close to you, uh, when um, the Blue Jays were in the playoffs or the World Series or what have you, not the the World Series finals, but again, I don't know baseball that well, but they were playing Texas, um, and it's the infamous bat flip. And for our American listeners, in terms of, uh, there's not a lot of, huge legendary moments um in baseball history for us canadians you know we have the expos almost winning almost getting into the world series there's that one year before the mlb went on strike uh you know jackie robinson originally played in uh canada and that's that's a really Mm -hmm. thing we're really proud of here but amongst those the modern biggest baseball moment ever of course was the jose bautista bat flip Yes. Um, and it's funny, I don't even watch baseball. I don't even particularly like it that much. But that day, something was telling me 
I was like, you know what? I'm just here. It's like a Thursday. I'm bored at home. I don't have cable. I'm going to walk to like the local pub um, and by myself and just watch this baseball game. And that turned out to be the bat flip game. And oh my God, I've never seen a more exciting baseball game in my life. People are throwing garbage. I don't know if you've watched the bat flip game, Will, but like no, I didn't. Pe- people were throwing garbage onto the field. There's like bottles on the field. Everybody in this student pub in, in small town, Wolfville, Nova Scotia is going absolutely ballistic. I'm at like a table with a bunch of strangers that keep buying garlic figures. Everybody's going nuts. And then of course there's the infamous moment where jose bautista throws the bat up in the air and people were jumping up and down people were screeching um and i remember in the in the coming months after that or the 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 following months people were getting like tattoos of the bat flip uh it was yeah, this huge it was cultural thing um yeah. so that's the closest i've ever had to enjoying baseball most of the time i just think baseball's kind of boring now you've also been watching some Ken Burns documentaries. Have you gotten to baseball? See, I, I've been very picky and choosy with the Ken Burns documentaries because it's a, it's quite the commitment. Yes. I've heard baseball's very good, but I feel like I would fall asleep. Okay, fair enough. If you do get to it, I'd like to hear what you think. Um, I don't have much uh, history or interest in baseball myself. Uh, what I am actually a fan of uh, video games involving baseball. I just recently finished uh, Yakuza Six: The Song of Life, and one of my favorite mini games in the whole series is where you're managing a baseball team oh my gosh have you have you played blaze ball yet no i've never heard of it oh my goodness well will it's a kind of a a big uh conversation to to have uh uh, over the podcast but it's this it's this like baseball pseudo gambling management oh you know what yes i have heard of this but but please explain for anybody who doesn't know well, it's just kind of like there's like simulated baseball games between fake teams that you can and wager on, and it just sounds like fantasy baseball, but it's, I think, a little bit more gamified than that. I haven't actually played it myself, but I've seen uh, quite a bit of hullabaloo on the Twitter sphere about it. Yes, so have I, and you're right. I've also seen it discussed in the Bombcast as well. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I also like playing like games where you are playing baseball. I don't know. I just kind of like that idea. But in terms of watching baseball, not really. I did manage to see an Expos game before they uh, oh, the dis- legend R.I.P. disbanded as a franchise, and I wore Expos caps a lot as a kid because they were my dad's favorite team. But that's about the extent of it. So going into this, I didn't have a lot of knowledge of baseball, but I did make some notes as we'll get into. Uh, but we don't start with baseball. We start with the myth of Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the hill, uh, talking about, of course, the. Um, the idea of doing something futile uh, again and again, expecting a different result. I uh, I uh, loved this is how you can get me engaged with an Arthur episode. Uh, I, I think we've been away from the Greek kind of uh, ancient Greek influence, not since uh, we started the Arthur episode with Diogenes. Uh, but I, as someone who references Sisyphus all the time, I find it really funny to talk about things and say they're Sisyphusian or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I definitely said that wrong, but, uh, that aside, I, uh, was very excited to see old, our old pal Sisyphus having trouble rolling that boulder, boulder up the hill. And this leads to Buster essentially doing the same thing with a giant baseball because he's a huge fan of the Elba City Greaves. And in the cold open, we get the sense that the Greaves are the loser baseball team that are akin to my first thought was the um, the Chicago Cubs. But they're also most likely based off of the Boston Red Sox at the time, which is something that I kind of remembered as the episode went along. So the whole idea is that the Greaves are cursed and. This was made in 2006, so this would have already happened. The Boston Red Sox had the curse of the Bambino uh, in the days of Babe Ruth, and they had a you know decades-long, very, very long losing streak that was finally broken in 2004. I remember that because it was, um, it was part of an episode of Lost. It was like uh, <laughs> that's very you. To the the, oh, the the reason you remember that happening was because there was in a lost episode. Well, and it was because it was like, oh yeah, that'll happen when it, like what have I missed in the years? It's just like, well, uh, the the Red Sox won the World Series. Like get out of town. Like yeah, yeah. It's just like our weird future in the mid two thousands. And that tends to happen in baseball more so than sports like hockey or or basketball. I find there's there's these long, long losing streets, and I suppose you could attribute to this to the league being so old, but um, that's happened a couple times. I remember when the Cubs 
uh, won the World Series a little bit more recently, there was like all this talk of of people's grandfathers being like, I went my whole life waiting for this day to come. Um, you know, it's kind of the way people talk about one, the Toronto Maple Leafs here about just, oh, please, God, just one, just one before I die. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and the, of course, the other one, you know, I, the first thing I thought of was the Cubs, which had the legendary losing streak has been in such movies as Back to the Future Part 2, The Curse of the Billy Goat, which was finally broken just a few years ago in 2016 when the Cubs won the World Series. It was very, it was very, very close to the Cubs winning in 2015. That was a huge talking point of how close Back to the Future 2 actually called it. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. Um, it seems that the Grebes are going for the world championship. So they seem to be in the area of MLB, even though MLB probably doesn't exist in the Arthur universe. And the other uh, franchise that we're aware of is the Crown City Kings, which is a great name for a franchise. And they're going to be going head-to-head for the championship, and this is the chance to, for them to break their... Um, I guess at that point it'd be like 88 year uh, losing streak of getting just as close and uh, not quite. So Arthur and Buster are very excited and the brain actually takes them through the the data. So th- this makes sense. It's like the brain is a big baseball fan, but he likes it for the stats. He likes it for the data, which you definitely get a lot of those fans these days who can really crunch the numbers. Yeah, this predates Moneyball, right? But this was all very Moneyball. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how the uh, – I, I made a note here that Brain would probably be one of the people on Twitter measuring the Wednesday night ratings between AEW and NXT. <laughs> so now you're putting it into a language we can understand, Will. Yeah. <laughs> so he's talking about how the Greebs have three new players, which will likely be the X Factors in them winning the championship. So um, – this is, to kind of jump ahead in the episode a little, these are the guest stars of the episode. These are three real MLB baseball players, but they just changed their names around a little. And I, I so I didn't know that for certain, and I probably should have looked it up, but I guessed it. And the reason I guessed it was because these authorized characters were too, re- they looked too much like, this is exactly what baseball players look like. Yes. I was like, these three dudes are absolutely based on real life baseball players because there's no way some artist from his imagination conjured these three guys who lo- are the most baseball player looking dudes I've ever seen in my life. Like, every baseball player is either one of these three guys. It's like the three median, they're either the beard guy or the other two, you know what I mean? Every yeah. baseball player looks like these three dudes. Um, exactly. And so just to, to, to be clear, there is, for, first of all, they're, they only go by their last names in Arthur. They don't get to, like, full names. So first off is Winlin, who is actually Mike Timlin, who is a player from 1990, he was a pitcher from 91 to 2008. He actually played for the Blue Jays in 1992 and 1993. And, uh, Playman, who is Johnny Damon, he's a hitter of some sort. Sorry, I don't know all the positions. Uh, he was active from 95 to 2012. And then Batteria, who is Edgar Renteria, who played from 96 to 2011. He was a shortstop. Uh, By the way, and... that was the, the, that 1992 Blue Jays uh, series was the, uh, uh, I believe that was the the World Series season. I think uh, you're right. I, I, I remember that. It's like that's one of the times. That, yes, they were uh, the first non-U.S. team to win a World Series in 1992. Legends. The stuff that legends are made out of. So that's that's one of the times that uh, Mike Timlin was on the Blue Jays. So there you go. Uh, proven track record. Uh, so everybody has Greaves fever as they are getting this close to the championship. But then we get the tale of how they got the curse put on them in the first place. And that's because in 1918, the Greaves won the the World Championship, I should say, not the World Series. Uh, Register trademark, register trademark. Um, So they won it, they got a home run, and then a young boy uh, tried to catch the home, or did catch the home run after it left the stadium. But then the owner of the Greaves, who is a well-to-do rat with a monocle and the top hat. Uh, uh, I believe his name is Horace P. Crane. You got it. I was... uh, and he's officially the throwaway character of the week. Did you see that sweet baseball cane he had? Oh, yeah. He's like the guy from Jurassic Park, but instead of a 
uh, <gasps> a mosquito uh, encased in a wax. It's a golden baseball. You're right. He's 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 the John Hammond of baseball. <laughs> Amazing. I didn't even I didn't even think of that. That's so great. Um, yes. Yeah, so he is like absurdly comedically evil rich and he's just like give I, I don't remember exactly what the voice was it wasn't it wasn't this it was just like give me back that bald boy <laughs> and and then this little boy who i don't know we have po- james dolan the owner of the new york knicks oh okay I, I don't know what power this boy had to put a curse on the grebes but he does he spits on the ball and he says mark my words the grebes will never win a championship and like I, I, I had the note here. I guess the curse could have been more offensive. Like, he wasn't... The kid didn't really have that much of an accent or anything. It's not like a, you know, G-word curse or something. Yes. We're not talking about Stephen King's thinner here. No, no. Uh, I'm getting very close to that in my Stephen King movie watch, and I'm not exactly looking forward to that portrayal of the Romani people. Um... It's, uh, yeah, so it could have been more offensive, could have been worse, but I'm also just like, so why did, why did God decide to pay attention to that kid's curse, or whoever, or the devil, or whatever? <laughs> but it's, but true to his word, the, the Greeps have not won in 80-some years, and the reason that this year might be the year for them is that Buster mentions that they finally, um, somebody, like an ancestor of that little boy took the ball took that baseball to the boy's grave or something and that supposedly will help break the curse uh but there's a lot of talk about like curses and superstition it reminded me i feel like we've brought this up a lot uh the silver linings playbook about how robert yes, de niro's character yes i was also thinking about the silver linings playbook and how superstitious robert de niro's character is buster and francine too very superstitious buster's been going to the games with harry which is cool that he's still hanging out with Harry. Just a little weird since Harry's not dating his mom anymore. And it's just Buster hanging out with this older guy. But, you know, it's it's fine. We know Harry's on the level. It's just, you know, from the outside, it might look a little strange. Um, it's... <laughs> I really like this detail. So they're at a they're at a Greaves game and the Greaves lose, and this is like a, as part of a series. They are on the cusp of winning with every game, but then they keep losing it. Um, and they leave they leave the arena, and Muffy and Ed Crosswire are a are Crown City fans, which but, makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it actually totally makes sense with the character. I It actually kind of got at me a little. I was like, I couldn't believe that Muffy wasn't a Greaves fan. But the thing is, it's that they're not not Greaves fans. They're just bandwagoners. So whoever is in, whoever is, whoever's winning is who they want, whose side they want to be on, which is perfect. I think that's great. Yeah, the last thing I expected in my Arthur episode, I feel like I've, we've talked about bandwagoners. You know, you're not a huge sports guy, Will. But over no. the course of this show... We've we've said some things about bandwagoners. You know, there's been my basketball updates, uh, those kind of things uh, during the uh, whenever we would do the you know end of season wrap ups. It'd be like a little basketball aside or what have you. And there's been some things said about bandwagoners on Elwood City Limits. So it's nice to know that you know our muse Arthur um, has the same opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's uh, in the voice of Francine, who is definitely the sports fan of everybody, but she is very adamant that anybody can be a bandwagoner. But this is a quote, it takes character to stick with the underdogs. So true, she is true. a diehard Greaves fan, and Muffy just couldn't care, which I guess you have to admire how bald-faced she is about being a bandwagoner, but it is also somewhat shameful. Uh, but very in keeping with her character, I loved it. Um, so yeah, we keep, uh, Buster keeps attending these games with Harry and they just keep narrowly losing for one reason or the other. And, uh, they start to think that maybe Buster is like, Francine is the one who draws the, um, the, not the comparison, but who has the thought of like, hmm, Buster's been at all these games that they've lost. Maybe he's bad luck. And that kind of sticks in Buster's head and he starts thinking about it a little too much. In fact, he has a dream. He has a dream where he uh, realizes that he might be bad luck for the Greebs. And that's where we get the voice talents of 
Mike Timlin, Johnny Damon, and Edgar Renteria. <laughs> I'm looking at them again right now. They, I, like I said before, what I said before still stands. These are the three most baseball player looking dudes I've ever seen. The one with the sunglasses, incredible. He's yeah, because he's like they've all got, uh, especially um, uh, Timlin and, or I should say, Winlin and Playman. They both have the type of beard that you definitely always see on baseball players. Exactly, yeah. Timlin's the only thing got, that's missing is them packing a fat lip at chew. Yeah, yeah, and Tim Timlin's got the James Hetfield goatee going on, so he's just like absolute white baseball player. It's you're right, it's very good, and he's. They are not quite at the Matt Damon stage yet. Like, uh, Winland is an elk, so he's got the horns coming out of his... Uh... Which is cool. I wish more of the celebrities, not since Art Garfunkel, you know, I feel like these days, oh, the celebrities want to be the most neutral-looking animal. They either want to be a bear or a rabbit. But I think some of the best sort of celebrified Arthur, or Arthur-fied celebs have been, like, Art Garfunkel. Um, bring back some antlers. Let's have more celebrities getting the antlers. I agree. Um... And they they each get a little bit they each get a couple of lines in this in this dream sequence and they're actually not bad like I I liked it I also like that Renteria at least initially gets to speak in his native tongue and th- that that does lead me to something so the whole dream is like uh, all of Buster's friends and the fans of the Greaves and then the three Greaves players themselves are like you've been at all the games statistics say like he, Brain has this like long speech about like how the data proves that Buster is the is the bad luck. And I liked how in Buster's dream, not only does Buster know Spanish to to replicate it for Renteria, but he can also simulate brains uh nerd language in his dreams. <laughs> so Buster is uh committed to not going to any more Greebs games because he wants them to win. He's sad about it, but he will. And in the grocery store with his mom, as he's getting milk from like an uncooled shelf did you notice this oh no i didn't notice now i'm going back and looking for this so he just gets milk like off a store shelf like just off of a store shelf it's right it's right next to like the ice boxes but it's just like milk on an uncooled shelf god it's like next to laundry detergent what are we doing now anyway, I'm trying to th- think, Is does anything come, maybe he was ahead of like, remember when water was coming in cartons for a little bit? Yeah, actually I do. Maybe they were ahead of the trend, but I think this is supposed to be milk. This is odd. Yeah, I, ugh, it I just, just I don't like looking at this. Well, no, me neither. Uh, so he actually runs into uh, Winland, Playman, and Batteria, and he, I, I like how he's like, "Wow, you guys shop for groceries too," uh, and Buster admits to them, you know, they uh, Winland has has a line of like, "We couldn't do it without fans like you," and Buster admits that he thinks that he's bad luck, but then Winlin gives him this like winning speech, and I gotta say, like Mike Timlin. Kind of does a pretty good job here. No, their voice acting is solid. Now, they sign his carton of milk. Yes. Which, I mean, he's got, like, his hat. Like, they could sign his hat. You know, I, they could they could sign literally anything but the carton of milk. It seemed kind of in the moment that Buster had the carton of milk. And I still think that that's okay, because as long as you remember to keep the carton when you're done and wash it out, then that's that's kind of a fun story. True, true. That it's, makes sense. Yeah. Ran it's into like, them at the grocery store. You're good at touche. It's not like signing a t-shirt where it's like you have to commit to not washing it again. And even then, t-shirts are kind of hard to sign. Uh, so, you know, Winland and the rest kind of refute that and hope that they see Buster at the game. Um, but, oh, Buster had, a, Buster had a line that eventually comes back and, like, helps to rally them. And I don't remember what it is. It's, like, some something like, you know, hope... Hope is the ability to soar or something like that. Uh, so they go to the final. It is game seven. And he like yells that phrase out to Playman. And they, he manages to get a home run as Arthur, Brain, and Francine watch on the on the television. And the Greaves win. They finally break the curse. And Harry, Harry, and this is said a couple times in the episode, but Harry's like, uh, this is something that you'll tell your grandkids. And then we get a flash forward to future Buster with his grandchildren. I love whenever they jump into the future. No, and this was amazing, and he's, he's like, telling it in this really fantastical, you know, you have to not sensationalize sports, but you have to kind of, um, 
you have to romanticize them, right? Like, that's what got me... I, I, as a kid, wasn't a big sports fan. My dad was a huge sports fan, but what, what really brought me around and made me really truly understand, like, I love basketball now, and I've, I've been having, I watched the first um, first game of the, the bubble playoffs uh, the other night, and it was a stomping, it was a, a thwomping mm-hmm. the Raptors gave to the Brooklyn Nets, but it, it got me thinking about, like, when I was a kid, I was never into sports, and, and really what made me enjoy sports as an adult was kind of in my mind thinking about them the same way I think about wrestling and that there's like a good guy and there's a bad guy and you like the good guy for these reasons and you hate the bad guy for those reasons. And then once I was able to see things through that lens, you're starting to see all these storylines. I mean, we talked about this before, Will, when watching The Last Dance and how we both really enjoyed The Last Dance. And you always told me you like stories about sports a lot more than watching the sports themselves. And, and that's what Buster's doing here, right? He's romanticizing the moment and, and kind of through this storytelling of talking about the ball going so far it goes over the moon, um, trying to impart on his grandkids why that moment was so special to him, but with this kind of like flowery prose or whatever. I thought it was yeah. an excellent, excellent way to end the episode and kind of leading into this is, I don't want to get into final thoughts, but really this episode doesn't have an arc or a moral besides just trying to kind of communicate the magic of sport. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, and they do, they do a really good job of putting, putting that out there because I think it's something that not a lot of kids would be able to understand, but as p- this was probably most likely inspired by the Red Sox winning and how that was a generational moment. I'm sure mm. for a lot of the people working on the show, they had heard their grandparents talking about maybe even seeing Boston win their last world series or like hoping for decades and decades it would happen. And then here you go, like watching it live. It's something you can say I was there for. It's like for us, it's like seeing team Canada win a gold medal in the Olympics with, you know, Sidney Crosby on the team or what have you. That's it's right. Just the one golden of those... goal. Yes, no, yes. The closest for me was I was thinking about, you know, what was the closest I've had to experience this. And, of course, the Raptors are a very new team. They've only been around since, like, 93, 94. Um, but watching that, that Raptors playoff run, uh, this is, of course, pre-COVID, we would go to, they had, like, these outdoor screenings of the games at uh, a building in Halifax called the Nova Center, where they had these big outdoor uh, a screen yeah, yeah. set up and it was free like anybody could just stand there and we would all watch together um, and of course where the Raptors play in, in, in Toronto they are Canada Center they call it Jurassic Park when the Raptors play um, and they were calling it Jurassic Park East because uh, we're out here on the East Coast and I think that was the closest I've had to having that moment where it's like I'm definitely going to be like telling my kids about like grabbing strangers in the street because uh, uh, the Raptors beat the Warriors which seems especially like a fantasy these days, but yeah, I'm really I'm glad that you had that. Uh, hey, I don't know about you, Lucas, but I was there when Daniel Bryan won the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> so that's that's a pretty special moment for me. And to go back to something you said before, um, you have to start romanticizing your life. You have to. I, I feel like some people will get that, but then that's probably the our listeners who have also been poisoned by TikTok like I have. <laughs> no, so. I've, seen, I've seen that TikTok as well. I, I think that's what was making me think about that even. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited to kind of talk about what we thought about this. But first of all, we have to get to the second half of this Arthur episode, which we will in just a moment. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, at ECL Podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new a bi-weekly PBS Kids review show as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review you can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord which me and Will like to post in from time to time and if you want that sweet sweet Elwood City Limits merch check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store you 
you can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Okay, so now we're changing gears to Arthur Changes Gears, which kind of starts off with the little bit of Arthur doing a Pepe Sylvia. We're used to Arthur Ferris Buellering, but not Pepe Sylvia-ing. <laughs> uh, he's got all these pictures of something that we can't quite make out all around his room. And DW does like a Twilight Zone-esque intro of like Arthur Timothy Reed, a young boy and an, an ordinary boy in an ordinary town. But he's, you know, he's obsessed with something. And Arthur is just like, what are you doing? And DW's just like, well, like, what are you doing in the corner of my room? And DW's like, I'm just uh, introducing the show. And then Arthur eventually puts one of these papers over the camera. I did, what it's funny. It this this kind of this kind of doesn't so much lead into the episode itself, but uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely grabs you right away. Um, this one is about Arthur coveting a certain bicycle, a certain a new model of bicycle called the GX Trailblazer 10,000. I found it interesting that both of these stories were focusing on like stereotypical boy interests. One one was baseball and the other was about bicycles. I feel like my dad tried to get me interested in both of those things as a kid and it just didn't take it it's true like... i i agree now i i did eventually get into bicycles but i have a distinct memory of my dad buying a bike and me being like i mean it's cool but it's not a gamecube uh and my dad <laughs> no, getting like not. frustrated and being like you know any kid would be like super excited to get a bike i mean at the end of the day i actually got quite a bit quite a bit of use out of that bike right like that was my main mode of transportation throughout my elementary school days living in the suburbs um but i remember him being frustrated initially that i wasn't as excited as he wanted me to be uh so arthur is saving up big time for this uh for this gx trailblazer 10,000 um and he is even he is even foregoing you know the normal stuff that he likes to do so no video games no toys no visits to the sugar bowl he's saving as much money as he possibly can to get this bike and buster kind of chides him for this he's like it's like, you're not spending money on anything. That's like living in the Stone Age or 1980 or something. So I, it's funny. Arthur foregoing fun things in order to save money is surprisingly real these days. <laughs> um, just because I'm very much in that mindset as well, since I am uh, currently still high, riding, quote unquote, high on the hog from the... Uh, the Serb payments here in Canada, but I'm trying to save as much money as I possibly can uh, and trying to cut down on the things that I would much rather do, like buy snacks or uh, 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 eat dinner out more times a week. But No, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's looking that like I'm going to have to start saving money for a new laptop. So uh, right. that's, that's, I'm about to be in the same boat as you. Um, so... Arthur, we get a little montage here of like the stock ticker going up and going up as Arthur's savings increase, but he's also missing out on like being at the Sugar Bowl with his friends or going to a double feature of alien movies with Buster and Brain. Uh, so, but finally, he manages to save up all the money. He scrimps and he saves and he does extra work like uh, clean, cleaning his parents' good good dishes. Uh, before he finally saves up enough money. We even get, as during the montage, we get a return to the stick figure, sticking around style that we dip into from time to time, as Arthur imagines what it's going to be like riding his new bike. I, I liked this. I thought it was, it reminded me of, of course, one of our favorite shows, Sticking Around. I was going to but, say, oh, oh, the, the police, the bad take police are coming to take me away. Just a moment. Um... But no, uh, uh, I was going to say it looks almost identical to sticking around. Like, we've had that kind of art style before in Arthur where uh, it, it, it's 
trying to intentionally look more hand drawn. Usually, when they're trying to animate or come to bring to life uh, a comic that a character in the show has made, um, hmm. but those tend to look a little bit more like Homestar Teen Girl Squad, and this looked very <laughs> much like sticking around. Um, Especially because I think like, I commented it, on our, our lost commentary that something I think I'm going to miss about the motion tween episodes is, or I miss when we get to the motion tween episodes is I feel like uh, the, the leading on motion tweens is going to lead the animators to uh, play with the art style less, especially for dream sequences and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it was nice to kind of go back to these pre-motion tween episodes, pre-flash animation episodes to see uh, this old art style. And it's a bit more colorful than I think, especially like around the pencil lines, than sticking around was. Uh, and it, it is it is very appropriately childish of like Arthur being like, "I'm the coolest kid around," and then DW's like, "I want a new bicycle." <laughs> it's very much like Arthur's. Uh, I think his id of like, "This is what I desperately want with all my being." Arth- so- Arthur's id is he wants a bike and his sister to be unhappy. Buster's id is that he can speak Spanish and has a huge <laughs> intellect. <laughs> oh man honestly same really though um uh, so buster uh buster and arthur are watching bionic bunny the next day as arthur's getting ready to get his new bicycle and they just so happen to be watching an episode where a guy tries to steal a car and bionic bunny stops him and if buster had just kept his dumb mouth shut we wouldn't even get this episode because then buster buster says hey do you think anybody's gonna want to try and steal your bike it is pretty valuable after all very reactionary of Buster. This whole sequence reminded me. I yesterday I watched a movie called Repo Man from 1984, the Emilio Estevez movie. Oh yeah, the uh, one with uh, with Harry Dean Stanton. Yes, yes. R.I.P. to the legend Harry Dean Stanton. Amazing movie. I loved it. I had a great time. But there's a lot of uh, nice, well, nice, quote unquote nice cars, Chevy Malibu, uh, getting parked in bad areas and getting stolen by like street punks and stuff in that movie. Um, and I like to think to myself, I'm like, oh, this is like. Arthur Buster are watching like Repo Man or something. <laughs> uh, somebody could, to- could totally edit that. If you could just green screen out the TV and they're just watching Repo Man and that part where that guy gets turned into a skeleton. Oh my gosh. That, that part's so good. They only do it twice, but both times you're like, this is this is a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should really watch that. I've only just seen that one part. It's a brisk uh, 92 minutes. Brisk. Oh, you, oh, you love to see it. Uh... So Arthur, this this unfortunately sends Arthur into an anxiety spiral, as it's all he can think about. He goes to get his new bike, and he trades in his old bike in order to get it. So that's this. I I imagine this will be the bike going forward, but we'll have to wait and see. Everybody's very impressed with it, but immediately it gets splashed with mud by a Chinese delivery truck, and Arthur is very protective of it. And he even says here, uh, I'll be super special careful with it, which I'm actually getting a new laptop within like the next week or so. And I'm very familiar with that. Like as soon as you get a new thing that is costing you a lot of money, you're like, oh, I'm going to I need to treat this with kid gloves. Like don't even look at it for too long. Just be just be super careful with it. Um, I wonder I was wondering, Lucas, if you've ever bought something because we get into this as Arthur has like a dream sequence about um, essentially not wanting to ride the bicycle because he doesn't want to risk ruining it. Have you ever bought something or had something bought for you that you ended up not using because you didn't want it to spoil or decrease in value? I have, I have, I have a, uh, there's a, I have a Comme des Garçons shirt that's quite expensive uh, that was given to me as a gift uh, and it is not machine. Not only is it very expensive, it's like white, mo- predominantly white, and it's not machine washable. Oh. So if I was to get a stain on it, or if I was to wear it and like sweat in it, even I would have to hand wash it. Oh man. Um, so what this essentially has led to is I barely wear that thing. <laughs> it's I. I also had a similar story of when I was a bit younger in high school. My mother bought me a very expensive sweater that I liked the look of. It was like a black hoodie and it had like these big lettering on the front. I think it said like killer or something. Oh, hell yeah. So I got it and it was like in the neighborhood. It was in the neighborhood of like a hundred dollars. Oh my word. So when I got back home, I remember my mother sat me down and we had like an actual talk about like, listen, when you wear this, you are not to get it dirty. When you come home from school, take it off immediately and put it in your closet 
and like I was so stressed about getting it about getting it dirty or like doing something to it because it costs so much money. Eventually, I was like, "Mom, can we just return this? I don't even want it anymore." <laughs> you don't want the responsibility. That's so funny. Uh, so I definitely understood what Arthur felt like when he has this dream where like Bionic Bunny says into his ear that like, "Oh, pe- somebody might want to steal this. Be careful." So Arthur puts like a mouse trap mouse traps around it in the. In the garage, he puts like a bike lock. Which, on by the it. way, He's... what is that supposed to prevent? I is guess that, like on the Stone a... Cold podcast where he kept talking about how the rats were like taking his ATV. Have you ever heard the clip from the Stone Cold podcast where he's talking about like the rats on the Broken Skull Ranch are so know. big they've been taking his ATVs out for a rip? Like he's <laughs> like, I came. Uh, I wait. I can't, I can't. Oh, Stone Cold impression. No warm up. That's well. I was taking the ATVs out. Ah, there. Fill them up with gas the night before, and they didn't have any gas left. It's because these damn rats are so big. <laughs> I had to, I had to sick Hershey the Wonder Dog on them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Me and Ted Fowler had to go out back and kill some of those goddamn rats. Then we had to go to Trader Joe's, but Trader Joe doesn't have a big enough parking lot. <laughs> Etc. Etc. I might have heard something about that before, but yeah, good to, good reminder. Um, so I, maybe it's more of an alarm system than anything else. But uh, yeah, very little kid uh, idea here. So again, Arthur is so skittish about he he doesn't want to be stolen, but he also doesn't want to to like wreck it or anything. So he. You know, he's planning to go on a bike ride with his friends, but he doesn't bring his bike because he just doesn't want to ride it. But his friends are, I think, rightfully saying that, like, you know, I got you – know, when you wreck your bike, it's, like, kind of a badge of honor. It's like you you broke it in. It's been through – you've got a story out of it. Binky's, Binky has one where he's like, I got this when I was riding with no hands and ran into a fence. And like, it's funny really because painful stuff. I thought this was cool because when I was a little kid, I was definitely very much the type of kid where, like – it would upset me when I had like a new thing, like new shoes or, or or whatever, and it got all scuffed up or it wasn't pristine. Like that, I kind of, I would always notice that stuff as a kid and it would always bug me. Um, and something that's helped me like go of that a little bit is like, for instance, like my skateboard, right? Like yeah. I spent a ton of money on that thing. Um, but I'm kind of in to how messed up, how quickly it starts to look messed up. Cause I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's frowned upon to be walking around with the skateboard in pristine condition, right? Well, you don't want someone to call you a poser. The last thing I need right. is some sort of elementary school age child accusing me of being a poser. Um, so sort of the more messed up your board gets kind of, it, it's very much like this scene where the kids are comparing battle scars jaw jaws-esque uh, on their bicycles talking about the <laughs> memories they've made like messing up their bicycles because similarly like already i do not skate that often i do not skate that well but already the bottom of my skateboard's already getting all scuffed up and i'm like oh that's i remember when this happened or this happened it's cool yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a story, if nothing else, and it reminds you of all the good times you've had with it. Arthur's still not really prescribing to that theory, and we get another dream sequence here where he's visited in the night by the ghost of bicycles never ridden. Now, did he look familiar to you? This obviously, was... Obviously, it's, bink, it's you know, Binky, but in a in a more long large-scale sense, did he look familiar to you? I, I immediately... Um, recognized, what is it, the ghost of, of supper tomorrow? The ghost of lunch tomorrow. The ghost of lunch tomorrow. Um, his distinct floating fire above his head. Uh, what a dome out this was. It was like, oh my god, <laughs> the ghost of... I remember you particularly not liking the ghost of lunch tomorrow and me finding oh, really? it very funny. Uh, back in the day when we watched the original episode uh, where the ghost of lunch tomorrow visits Prunella. Um, but already I was, I was excited cause I was a fan of the ghost of lunch tomorrow's character. And then he pulls Arthur out and spins him around the world and the animation, it goes so fast. I'm like, Oh my God. Like it, it you don't even get time to process that the ghost of lunch tomorrow has arrived, excuse me, but it, he's already like dragging Arthur around the globe across the astral plane. Yeah, so it is. It is Binky dressed up in the robe in like the 
similar getup from the episode. We'll get into that in a second because they make explicit reference to it. But he's also dressed in like a bicycle uniform. And, Still has the uh, hamburger over the open flame as well. Yes, you're right. And so he takes Arthur to all these places where, it, like, kind of Christmas Carol style, to places where people have things that they never use. And I actually liked this because oh this gosh, is yeah. like these, these vignettes were were brilliant. Like one of them is Binky taking Arthur to his mother and being like, "Look, she never uses the china. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's, <laughs> he, he it's, goes, it's those are china plates. They're given as gifts, and then people just wash them." <laughs> And it's a really good point. Like, I think this is something, you know, one of those, like, oh, millennials are killing the X business. It's just like, why? I can't think of anybody I know that's my age that gives a damn about China. No. Like, 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 and would you? Like, who cares? Like, plates that you never use? It's It sounds insane, Will. Sounds fake. Um, he goes next to, uh, Ed Crosswire's garage where he has like a really cool car that he never drives. And, uh, we also go to Prunella who has these like really, really cool looking boots. Uh, they're like pink with stars on them, but dead stock, uh, she... dead stock even. Okay. She, if she, and... if, I don't know what the resale value is cause she doesn't have the box. I don't know what those, those pink boots are going for on stock X. You know what I mean? Not sure what the resale value is of them. But that being said, she is keeping them dead stock. She is not putting her feet in them. Uh, so she might be able to fetch a pretty petty, uh, depending on the quality. Um, and uh, Binky or the ghost says that, you know, Prunella never wears it because she never wants to scuff them. But then she will put them on next year and, sh- and her feet will be too big for them. And this is where Prunella notices that Arthur and the ghost are there. And she even says, wait a minute, aren't you that ghost that uh, tells me what lunch is going to be tomorrow? And he's like, ixnay on the unchlay. <laughs> and like, what a callback this was. This was in season four, this episode happened. We talked about... Uh, I, this is also funny in terms of ECL. We did this episode in July 2018. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. I just love that they had this big pull. Like, well, and it's true. I, 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 with Arthur, we always love it when they continue the continuity. But with this season in particular, it's starting to feel like, and I don't blame them for this. It's 10 seasons. It's been 10 years. But it's starting to feel like they're retconning certain things or, or their memory's getting shorter. Like maybe they'll reference something from three seasons ago or two seasons ago. I feel yeah. like this is the first time in a while where we've gotten something from six seasons ago. And uh, I always love it when they do that because it just makes the Arthur world feel so much more consistent. For our purposes, I don't know how effective – like this joke probably made no sense to a kid who was watching this show in 2003 – uh, but for our purposes, in our weirdo adult watch of the show, marathon style, in a row, uh, all in order, um, this this worked very, very well. I also want to give shout-outs out. I don't think we comment on Prunella's room all that much. I've started to come around on Prunella a little bit. I don't have the same vitriol towards her as I used to. I just got yeah. that crazy, like, mind calendar uh, astrology, like, it's. I think it's all the star signs behind her mirror it's like this big yeah. wall decal with all the star signs thing's cool it's a cool thing well we just had to wait for everybody to get back into astrology and then it was prunella's time uh so we our final scene is old arthur who we have seen before but not in like the traditional arthur getup. finally taking his uh bike out for a spin before he gets too old but then the bike shatters because it's been decades and like arthur's room's covered in cobwebs and stuff like that and arthur kind of wakes up and sees the error of his ways and the episode ends with arthur this is in, this was uh, interesting, I suppose I would say. the Everybody's meeting up at the park for another bike ride, and then Arthur kind of appears on the mountaintop, and they're just like, who is that? And Arthur has this, like, sweet-ass BMX getup. He's got a helmet. He's got, like, this cool red and black, like, tracksuit. Where did he get this? It's true. That stuff's expensive. To get the Fox racing gear to be decked out from head to toe. Uh, like he's Jeff Hardy right before he gets injured. Uh, uh, this is, this stuff is not easy to come by and you'd think he'd be, you know, pressed for cash considering he just bought a brand new bicycle, but who knows? Maybe it came with it. 
Could be. It's, I mean, it certainly looks cooler than we're used to Arthur seeing. And then he finally, you know, realizes that he's got to, he's got to finally take, take a, take the training wheels off, so to speak. And, uh, get a little dirty, get a little rough. It reminds me of a story that um, there's a um, there's an Orthodox preacher from uh, or priest, I should say, from Cape Breton, where my my grandmother lived, and he had a story about how every time he would buy a new car, the first thing he would do is he would take the driver's key in his hand and he would run it across the driver door, and it'd say the first one is always the worst. So that was his kind of way of getting past the whole nervousness because I'm still with like that with my relatively new car. Just like when is the when you know when's the accident going to happen? When's the first like hang Ooh, up? I've going already to mess messed up like my driver's side. There's a, a like a lower light on my car. Like my bumper's all messed up in the front because I was driving off a curb. So that's long happened now. Uh, now we're just trying to keep her running. Right. Um, yeah, so I am very curious for us to both talk about how we feel about this episode. Let's go back to Curse of the Greaves. Uh, it seems that you were pretty positive about this, Lucas. Yeah, so both of these episodes uh, felt really, really short. Um, like, I don't have a lot of notes for either one, and usually that's a bad thing. It means that we're kind of at a loss of things to talk about. Um, yeah. But in this case, like... I really liked what both of these episodes were going for. Starting with Curse of the Greaves, this episode was really interesting because it felt like less like it was trying to teach the audience the moral of a story and more so trying to kind of communicate, like I was saying earlier, the, the magic or or the feeling around getting like swept up in, in sport, right? Like so when your yeah. community, the thing that happens to your community when they're talking about having grebe fever, it's like when everybody had Raptors fever last year. Um, and it's like all anyone talks about, people you don't usually have big long conversations with, you're talking to your mailman, you're like, you see those Raptors? It's this thing that, that this ever-present thing that brings everyone together once they start to get all wrapped up. And then, like, kind of the magical moments that come from that. Like, when you get to witness these these legendary moments in sport happening. And it's one of those things that's kind of only possible in the medium, for lack of a better term, of, of major league sports. Um, and so it's less feels like it's trying to teach a moral of the story, which would be like, I don't know, don't think of yourself as unlucky. Don't be too superstitious. Kind of. But really what it feels like it's trying to communicate is to make kids understand, you know, why do people think sports are important? Why, why do people care about sports so much? And so it's kind of an educational episode, but not in a traditional sense. And this, I thought, was great. It, I, season 10, one of my main criticisms thus far, has been that we've been getting away from Arthur doing the thing where its moral doesn't feel like an after-school special. It feels like a nuanced topic enough that only Arthur could have communicated it, right? Uh, there's been a lot of after-school specialty episodes in season 10. And this felt like the Arthur of old, where this is uh, kind of a subject matter I would never think of a, a children's show uh, tackling. And I definitely wouldn't see it tackling it in this way where it so well communicates kind of why people care about this stuff. So I really enjoyed it. I think that's a great way to look at it. I think you really put a put a cap on it that uh, didn't even occur to me when I was watching it. But you're right, it, it is talking about kind of the mystery and the allure of sports, which is kind of hard to explain, especially if you're not a kid like myself who is into sports. But I think this does it in a very classy and easy-to-understand way. I also just like the whole thing of talking about superstition as well, how superstition plays into sports. And whether or not it's tr- whether it's true or not, it is. it does have a certain power in people's minds. I just kind of thought this was interesting. I wanted to see where it went. And it was it was feel good as well, you know. Even though we're just finding out about the Greaves in this episode, it is feel good to kind of have everybody experience this big moment. It reminded me, like you said, of um, you know the Mooseheads, the or I should say the Mooseheads, the Raptors um, with in Jurassic Park. The, the, the Mooseheads. The moose, hey, for all for this is going to matter to any of our American fans, but the Mooseheads yeah. winning was a big deal here too. Totally. Uh, and yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed this, and I think I enjoyed it even more after your kind of analysis there. So, yeah, definitely one of my favorites of the season. And I also liked um, the second the second half as well. Uh, Arthur changes gears, um, not as much as the Greaves episode. I think I would say I like that one better. But I think that this is also a message you don't normally get. It's talking about how it is good to treasure things. If you know, it kind of feels like the Clarissa episode a little bit. 
Um, except with that one, it was about how some things you have to treat very, very well, and that and that's true. But then there are some, there like this is like almost a compare a companion episode to that, in that sometimes you can take that too far in terms of like never ever using something because you're afraid to sully it or to make it impure somehow. And when it comes to a bicycle, you just kind of have to go out and ride it and better to get on it and ride as Mrs. McGrady would say. And I think that that's a, I think that that's a very good thing that people of any age could stand to learn. I like, I think Arthur came about it very naturally because it was something he saved up for and meant a lot to him, so it made sense he would feel this way about it. And, of course, Arthur, already prone to anxiety. I loved the continuity shout-out. That was just a completely brightened up my day and just kind of... It felt like something that, obviously, they didn't know this at the time, but it felt like, hey, you that's been watching X amount of seasons, you know, we still throw in a little something for you here, which they definitely don't have to do, but I'm very glad when they do. Um... Makes it feel like the people, I mean, and a lot of the writers from early in the show are still on it, but it makes me feel like they still keep these ideas bouncing around. And uh, yeah, again, it, it didn't have like, it kind of felt, you were right in terms of they both felt short, but this was like, I felt like there was no fat here. It felt like we really told a simple story and a simple kind of moral and one that made sense. And it wasn't something you always hear from a kid's show. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I too thought this episode, I have a lot of the same things to say and that this episode seems like a return to the nuance we used to come to expect from Arthur. And, and this moral of, you know, it's it's good to look forward to things and to cherish things and, you know, you should treat your, your prized possessions with care and respect. But also, it's important to enjoy those things. And, and, it, and this is funny because it's kind of, this episode felt a little bit like a hot take. You know, there's a lot of people, uh, people mm. in things like sneaker culture or car culture or even people who just use collectibles whatsoever. People who have, like, anime figurines or, you know, rare cards where if, like, for instance, like, I, I've seen horror stories online or on, like, Reddit or whatever where it's, like, some adult getting super mad at their kid for, like, playing with their collectibles. And it's one of those things where at the end of the day, like, sure, these things can accrue in value or they, they are hold the significance to you. But sometimes better just not to care and just use them. It's be- sometimes the memories you get out of these objects are, are better than the objects themselves, um, which is, again, a little bit of a controversial take. Like, I remember when... Um, uh, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I remember when like Marie Kondo was talking about throwing out your books... And people were yeah. like, oh, my God, oh, there, there was all these these hot takes getting thrown back, back and forth. And I don't really think either way about that whole debate. But this got me – I was thinking that this was kind of a hard stance for Arthur to be taking, but I thought it was a really interesting one. Um, and so for that reason, I also really liked this episode. And I thought it was funny. All the stuff with Biggie as, as the ghost of Lunch Tomorrow uh, still stuck. Um, I th- yeah, I think it was a good episode. Yeah, I th- I'm glad that we're both so positive on him. And again, it's a good one to have for the fourth for the fourth anniversary. Reminds us why we still like watching this show. Um, before we get into any any kind of ending notes, I just wanted to give everybody an update on what the next couple of weeks of Elwood City Limits are going to look like. Um, because we've got a couple of uh, kind of uh, different offerings for both patrons and uh, uh, normal listeners or normal regular. I don't know uh, Patreon less listeners i gotta think of okay um whatever you know what i'm trying to say residents <laughs> of elwood city yes our elwood city residents uh so over on the patreon last week we uh uploaded an ecl presents episode where myself and youtubers cash cash and wacky deli talked about the arthur digital shorts of 2020 including uh, the ones they did about graduation, COVID-19, and racism. It was a really good talk, and I'm glad to have ta- spoken with both of those guys. That is going to be coming on to the free feed in two weeks. So the first week of September, we're going to be posting that for everybody to hear. The intention was, last week, we were going to post on Patreon the next ECL commentary on DW and the Beastly Birthday 
But unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, we weren't able to offer that at the time. But the idea is that next week on the Patreon, we will be presenting you with DW and the Beastly Birthday commentary. Let's just hope, Lucas, we'll knock on wood, we'll cross our fingers, we'll do whatever we can do to make sure that yeah. this recording uh, is A-OK. Second time's the charm, and guess what? All the jokes are going to be funnier the second time. Exactly. It's going to be even better than the one that we had, and that one was pretty good. So that's what it's going to look like. We've got our Patreon offering next week. We've got uh, the the ECL Presents episode in two weeks. Then after that, the next Patreon offering will be the For the Kids episode on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which gives me a bit more time to do research and uh, get it right, as right as I can. And then after that, in September, when everybody is back to school and we have to wonder about the second wave of whatever this is we'll be talking about another arthur episode featuring the stories unfinished and dw bossy boots so that's what you can expect from the next few weeks you've heard bossy bop by stormzy and now he comes out with his next uk grime hit bossy boots Anyway, uh, the only You're other big thing for your just, bossy boots. I I'm going to have to believe you that this is a person because I just <laughs> don't know sometimes. Wagwan, what you mean, fam? Why you move it bad, eh? Oh, this. You know what this? This sounds familiar because I've definitely heard it in your voice before. <laughs> yeah, so you don't the know only the, hey, learn your roadman big things, yeah. So the only thing left to say. Uh, after all that, is that it has been a wonderful four years doing this podcast. Um, four and more we... years. Oh, wait, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. You know, it, it's uh, Sometimes I go back and forth and whether or not like doing this for longer is a good or bad thing. But the point is that we will be doing this for longer, as, as for, you know, at least I'd like to think another year. But, you know, it's just the kind of thing where, We'll know we'll know when it's time, and it's not time yet. So you've, we've got a lot more to expect, and of course, what really helps us get th- go through episode after episode, what mi- what motivates us to keep going, is all the feedback we get from you guys. It has been up and down, positive throughout the whole four years ever since people have discovered our podcast thank you for sharing the podcast with people you love or people you just like or people you don't like uh sharing the podcast is always a great way to kind of get more ears on us the money is great but it's not what's important what's important is connecting with other people and it always has been and making you guys smile making you guys laugh making you guys think helping you guys in difficult times all the emails that we've gotten over the past several years of you know the podcast helped me through this i have anxiety i have depression i have this kind of phobia and the podcast helps me feel better the podcast i go to sleep with the podcast man it's better than any dollar amount can do the the, the money's the money's great but Like I said, what matters is the connection with people, and I feel like we keep doing that. And we really, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for four really great years. Yeah, and me as well. I mean, my heart's bottomless for all the, you know, ECL listeners out there from Halifax, Nova Scotia to Osaka, Japan. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much. Arigato gozaimasu and uh, gomenosai for my pronunciation. That's another episode of Elwood City Limits, and we will be back before you know it. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Think of the awesome burnouts! (laughs) We'll see you next time. I mean, how do you burn out on a manual bicycle? That's what I want to know.